0: Good morning, welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, June 10th. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's what we're watching today, an uptick in trans murders in the U.S. Plus, President Biden reverses the ban on TikTok. But first, what's next for mass transit is today's one big thing. During the pandemic, ridership of mass transit pretty much collapsed. Now, as the country reopens, transportation experts are hoping that commuters will come back, too. But what if they don't? Joanne Muller is Axios's transportation correspondent and joins us now from Detroit. Good morning, Joanne.
1: Good morning, Nyla.
0: As I was just saying, mass transit took a huge hit during the pandemic. First, are experts confident that riders will come back?
1: I think that this is still to be seen. These transit agencies really suffered a lot. I mean, transportation was down like 90 percent at one point. So we've crawled back to 50 percent because uh, there aren't a lot of options. But... People who can't afford it have been buying their own cars and driving themselves where they want to go. But there's also this great uncertainty about how the future of work is going to shake out and therefore how uh, commuting will shake out.
0: What are different agencies around the country doing to entice writers to come back?
1: Well, one thing that we're seeing a big movement on is the addition of sort of flexible on-demand rides on shuttles. A very common company that does this is Via. They have partnered with a lot of transit agencies around the country to sort of fill the gaps, uh, do that first mile, last mile connection to the existing transit system. But often, you know, there's just not enough demand to have a full 40-person bus running up and down a certain street or to a certain neighborhood. So you could do this on-demand, flexible shuttle ride, and it suits people much better, and uh, it gets the people where they need to go. So we're seeing a lot of that. We're also seeing, as traffic has increased, agencies have figured out that they need to clear lanes for buses because they want people to ride the buses. So if you can make a dedicated lane just for buses, bus travel actually becomes pretty nice. And so you're seeing a big push toward uh, bus priority lanes. So those are a couple examples.
0: Joanne, as you mentioned, there's so many unknowns here, both in the short and the long term. We don't know if commuters will come back, we don't know how work in office is going to look like. How are transit agencies trying to plan for this?
1: Well, they're not known to be very flexible, but I think the pandemic really caused them to spring into action and get creative because there were a lot of essential workers that still had to get to work during the pandemic. And uh, while agencies were really hammered on revenue, that made them a little bit more nimble to go forward now in this new world when we try to figure out what comes next.
0: Joanne Muller is Axios' transportation correspondent, and you can read her entire story about this this weekend at Axios.com. And you can read more of Joanne's reporting in the new newsletter, What's Next?, that debuts on Monday. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the alarming increase in trans murders. I'm Naila Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios Today. 2021 is on track to be the deadliest year for trans and gender nonconforming people in the U.S., according to the Human Rights Campaign that's been tracking this since 2013. Of the 28 people who've been killed so far this year, almost all are Black or Latina women. Axios's Orion Rumler has been reporting on this. Hi, Orion.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Orion, one of the things we've talked about before with hate crimes is how hard it is to have accurate information on what's happening. Who is keeping track of this when it comes to deaths in the transgender community?
2: So the human rights campaign has been tracking this since 2013 and advocates every year expect the numbers to be severely underreported because it can be difficult to know for sure in some cases whether someone was trans or gender nonconforming. They can be misidentified, misgendered by police. Their remaining family can misidentify them and many a few friends or people in their networks who may feel safe to talk to media about this.
0: And so far, 28 people have been killed so far this year. What does that compare like to last year at this time?
2: So compared to last year, we've seen more trans people killed at this point in the year. At this time last year, there were only 13 known trans killings for the HRC.
0: And we should talk about the fact that almost all of these murders are of Black or Latina women?
2: Most of these killings are of Black and Latina or Latinx women, and that's consistent year over year. I mean, advocates are saying, like, the women of color are the most vulnerable here. Because discrimination puts them in a position of poverty. Maybe you don't have access to housing. Maybe you can't afford health care.
0: Are we seeing similar patterns outside the U.S. when it comes to killing of trans people?
2: So the recorded number of trans killings in the U.S. is higher per million inhabitants than in countries like Australia, South Africa, France, India, Canada, But our rate of killings is well below Latin America, specifically Honduras, uh, which by some counts has the highest concentration of trans murders in the world.
0: Axios' Orion Rumler, thanks, Orion, for reporting on this.
2: Thank you so much, Nyla. Thank you for having me.
0: Here's some other stories we're watching. We learned yesterday the U.S. has purchased 500 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine to donate to low-income countries around the world. This comes as the president makes his first trip overseas and attends a summit of world leaders in the U.K. The Keystone XL pipeline is officially dead. The move by Calgary-based TC Energy to cancel the project was expected after President Biden blocked its permit. But it puts an end to one of the most high-profile North American battles over energy and climate change. And yesterday, President Biden issued an executive order reversing his predecessor's bans on Chinese-owned apps like TikTok. Axio's tech and policy reporter Ashley Gold is here now to explain. Good morning, Ashley. Hi, guys. What's behind this move?
3: So we're looking at the Biden administration basically saying... We, too, want to be really tough on China and show China that we're not backing down when it comes to protecting American security and being competitive, but we're going to do it in our own way. So they put out an executive order yesterday that basically said they would be looking at Chinese companies uh, that do business in the U.S. and whether these companies put any direct risks to U.S. consumers and sort of analyzing it uh, point by point instead of taking a more blanket approach, which is what the Trump administration did.
0: And just to clear up some confusion, do we know what the risks are to user privacy for apps like TikTok?
3: This is always a hard conversation to have about Chinese-owned companies, because they claim to be acting in good faith in taking mitigation measures to make sure that the user data of their U.S. users is well-protected. TikTok has made those promises over the past year or so, ever since their business practices were called into question. But you never really know how much a company that is affiliated with China in any way is going to be subject to Chinese laws. We're just never going to have a good view into exactly how that works from the other side.
0: AXUS' tech and policy reporter based in D.C., Ashley Gold. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. And before we go, back to President Biden's first foreign trip. For the reporters going with him, yesterday it was a rough start as the White House charter plane for the press was delayed almost seven hours. The reason why? A cicada swarm that messed with key exterior parts of the plane. In a statement, Delta said they apologized to our charter customers for this rarest of entomological delays. But still nothing is more important than safety. You can always send us feedback by emailing us at podcasts at axios.com, or you can reach out to me directly on Twitter, my handle's Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.